Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Knuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Clinson, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome to another episode of the Motor City Hoop Show. On today's show, we'll give you our take on last week's games. Then we'll talk Killing Hayes, four quarter issues, and draft scenarios. After that, we'll head around the NBA and discuss the hottest topics around the league. The playing games, Jamal Murray's injury, the Chicago Bulls little trade with the Magic, and about LaMarcus Aldridge's retirement. But first and foremost, Bryce, we start a week with two games of the Clippers, probably... One of the best teams that was right now and in yep. the league right now. And uh, two very different games, if you ask me, just by just by watching them. First game, we lost 131 to 124. And then second one was 198. Bryce, what was your take overall on both games? Yeah, so, I mean, I think one of my biggest takeaways um, from these two games against the Clippers was Sadiq Bey. You know, and, and I know... We've talked about our rookies and we've talked about the draft class and all that. But man, Vlad, I just feel like the guy continues to impress and continues to impress and continues to show new things with his game. He's, you've talked about it from the beginning, right? A three-level score. And I, I feel like he's continuing to show those things. Everybody likes to talk about his three-point shooting. And you know there is a chance he might break this, the rookie record for three-point makes in a season, in a rookie season. But I think what's more impressive is his mid-range game. He's figuring out how to get to the rim and, and be crafty down there. So that, that was my thing with him was just Sadiq Bey is really good. And he had two very solid games here. He had 25 in the first game. And I know he had a solid first half in the second game. He scored uh, 17 but had a really good first half. So Sadiq Bey. Absolutely. And you're, and you're spot on, Bryce. It's um, He's probably be my favorite draft pick, if you ask me, from this year. Um, just because he was NBA ready. And yes. um, stuff we've talked, and we both played collegiate basketball, Bryce, and we know some stuff translates, right? And uh, 
from my experience, maybe sometimes rebounding doesn't exactly translate just because you play against bigger guys, more athletic guys. But shooting, to me, that's one of the things that translates. It, it doesn't, you know, and he's been, Bryce, in, in, in 1920, his last season with Villanova, he shot 45% from three. 45%. And that just translates. And right now in the NBA, I think it might be even easier for him, you know, because... You know, the, the, the floor is – the spacing. The floor the space, is bigger. The There's, you know, yeah. Exactly. So, um, for him, I think it was very easy to step in his role. I do think he lost a step when we kind of had the issues of the point guard all the time, you know. So, for, for, for a shooter, Bryce, and we're both shooters, you know, in college, and it matters. You know, that connection with the point guard, that connection with shooting guard, it matters a ton because especially for a spot-up shooter or an off-ball screen shooter – you know, you got to get used to point guard. And us not having Hayes and him coming back right now, I think it, it is giving Sadiq Bey another boost right now towards the end of the season. Whereas, you know, Hayes looks looks more to create for the shooters. And, you know, like the first game with the Clippers, some of the stuff that I kept looking at, I was like, I want to look at assist turnovers, you know, and field goal, field goal defense, right? And the first game we lost 131 to 124. We had 33 assists. And in the same time, we did play terrible defense. They, sh- they shot over 55% from three. They shot over 60% from the field. And, okay, we shot well, too. We were well over 45% from, from both uh, field goal and three-point percentage. But, again, it was like an offensive showdown that we're never going to win never, against no. a team like the Clippers. Absolutely No not, chance. No. Like, we're not at a point that we can score 130, 140, and we're like, okay, we can win that way. And then the second game of the Clippers was 198. It was like a polar opposite. You know, the, the, the Clippers shot less than 40% from the field, less than 25% from uh, three. We shoot 29% from three, and uh, we lose an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter. You know, it, it was it was very different. But to me, this type of games are more like what we're trying to build. Like what, what we want to look like is more like the second game of the Clippers. Like grind it out. Like make it a little bit uglier than your typical – 120-110 NBA game. Absolutely. I think you're, you're spot on with that, Vlad. I think those are the games we want. And I'll touch on this here in a, in a second as we get into the Thunder game. But we have to learn to close those games if that's how we're going to play. Because if we do play that style, Vlad, as you know, you're not going to blow very many teams out. So you're going to play a lot of close games. Games that go, you know, the last six minutes of the game that are going to be close. But one thing I want to talk about, you, you brought up having a good point. I played with probably one of the best point guards in Patriot League history that people don't really know about in Derek Mercer. The guy won Patriot League Player of the Year averaging 10, 12 points a game. And that's because the intangibles showed through whenever you watched him play. And you're exactly right. He gave me confidence as a shooter. He got me wide open shots. He knew how to get me shots and our other players as well. So I think... As Killian Hayes progresses, I think we could see Sadiq Bey's game, at least in terms of his shooting, also take another step. I think a lot of the guys are, are, are benefiting from Hayes coming back. And Hayes playing – and we'll, we'll talk more on Killian Hayes in, in our 313 um, segment. But I think Killian Hayes doing a great job since coming back of creating shots. Yes. Whether they yes. knock it down or not, I'm not really worried about right now. Like, if, if he has three assists tonight and he gave them 15 open looks, that's not really on him. And um, But I love the confidence that he's playing with. I love the pace that he's playing with. I really was not expecting this. Uh, to me, he seems like he's better than the beginning of the season. Absolutely. If you had, like, 
he, he looks more comfortable out there, even though he didn't play in so long. So maybe just working out, just getting his body ready was what he needed. And uh, I'm really pleased with what, what, what I'm seeing from him right now. Uh, Bryce, but you did say about Leeds, right? So um, worth mentioning the second uh, game with the Clippers, the loss. We lost an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter. Then we go to Thunder a few days later. We win 110-104, and we had an 11-point lead. And again, they, it came down to one, and we managed to hold on to it. And another thing that the defense, right? We talked about defense. We forced the Thunder to 10 turnovers a, in the third quarter. Yep. Especially 10 in the third, 10 in one quarter. That's huge, you know. And that's, again, that's what we want to build on, right? At this point in the season, we want to look for this kind of stuff. And worth mentioning, Stewart, 15 points, 22 rebounds. That's it goes there. It goes with with the stuff that we're trying to do, Bryce. Right? Yeah, he's been incredible the last two games, and you know the the injury report for the Cavaliers game just came out. Plumlee's resting, so I think we're going to see Isaiah Stewart start here uh, quite a few more times here in the last um, part of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. But what you brought up is exactly what I had in my notes for this game, and I typed it out as uh, it was some point in the third quarter. I think he even tweeted it out, Vlad. I said it's going. It would be fun to see the these this game go down to the wire to see how the young guys would handle it. Because it's worth noting, Grant didn't play. Plumlee, Diallo, Joe's, oh, all the vets were out. Okay, so it was all the young guys. Sekou got to start this game. The Thunder, we were up on the Thunder three with six minutes and 30 seconds to go. And I actually tracked the last six and a half minutes, every offensive possession. What happened? Missed shot? Was it a good shot? Whatever. So go check out Motor City Hoops on Twitter if you want to see that from that game. We got good shots. We just didn't make them. Had a couple bad turnovers, but then we scored on five straight possessions, Vlad, to close out the game. And that was really great to see from the young guys. Absolutely. Worth mentioning, we started three rookies this game. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny, Bryce? Because when you say, like, the older guys are sitting out, I think, like, Jer- <laughs> I like Jeremy Grant. You know, it's like, well, well, hey, well he's not that old. Like, Hamid <laughs> <laughs> Diallo, Rodney Magruder, Dennis Smith Jr. They're like, like the third year in the league right now. Yeah, like, JJ is like his third, fourth year in the league. And, uh, you know, Diallo the same. So I'm like, Ellington and uh, Joseph are the only real, like, I mean, Plumley and Grant. Plumley too. Plumley too. Yeah. Plumley too. But, you know, it's not like Grant's old, but, yeah, I know it, it is kind of funny. We call these guys the vets or the older guys or whatever, and, and they're still in pretty good, not necessarily their primes, but there's it's not like they're just on their last leg in the league. I mean, absolutely. And Jeremy Grant, you know, he's – I would say he's young because he's not in his prime yet, if you yeah, ask me. You know, he's, sure. he's 27 right now, so I think he's, he's getting close to it or he's just uh, starting it right now. And then, Bryce, um, another game that we talk about physicality, the Wizards last game, you know, at the 121 to 100 loss. Again, if, if you look at the games last week, every time we kept the game around 100 points, we had a chance to win it. Once it got to like 115, 120, it was a wrap. We don't have the firepower. No, and that's, uh, you know, this Wizards team is very interesting because what Russ is doing right now, and we're talking about stats. I mean, he's a tri- walking triple-double, and these are real triple-doubles. I don't know uh, how we're going to count his empty stats or he's getting – no, these are real triple-doubles. He's turning around his Wizards team, and they're taking on his identity. This is the way he plays. This is how the Wizards are playing right now. Yeah, and he has that personality, right, Vlad? Like, you watch him play, and you can just tell – 
that he has a certain intensity and he's one of those dudes, either you're going to be a part of it or you're going to be uncomfortable and it's not going to be a very good place to be for you. So I think they have taken on his, because to me, Bradley Bill's probably the most talented kid on that team, but I don't know that he has that personality, leadership, you know, just from afar, it doesn't look like that. So maybe this has become Russ's team, Russ's identity, Russ's personality, and then obviously Bradley Bill's still going to go get you 30. And he so, just scored exactly. He's the leading scorer in the league. Like, Bradley Beal averages thirty one point one points per game. He's the leading scorer in the league. Uh, Steph is right behind him with thirty one. Um, so yes, I think Bradley Beal is like the Kevin Durant to Russ. You know, if I can make that analogy, in OKC, right? And but Russ is the alpha. Like he he's the one that you know says the tone for them, and. You know, it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about playing game too because I want to talk about the Wizards and the playing game situation because they're they're going to be a tough out for anybody if they do make it. And, uh, again, worth mentioning 19 and 12 from Stewart, you know, back-to-back, uh, double-doubles for him. And uh, about the physicality of the game, one thing I noticed, 18 turnovers. That's just too many for us. And uh, that was really set by their athleticism, by their physicality with us and aggressiveness and we're just not ready for it we're not ready for for that type of um you know physicality with this this wizards team uh, the one thing i want to mention before we get to the 313 vlad is frank jackson he had 19 in this game uh he was a leading scorer along with isaiah stewart had a good game before this he's a guy that all of a sudden on a, he's also on a two-way um the same as Saban lee He's a young guy, Vlad. You know, he's only 22. I think I looked up the other day. He's been a few in the league for a few years. He really scoring the ball well this year, shooting the ball well. He's a guy I think we have to watch as the year we close out the year and into the offseason. It'll be interesting to see what the Pistons do with him. I just felt I felt like he's had some really good games. He's kind of been that spark plug off the bench as this roster continues to change from one game to the next. And I just thought it was worth mentioning that he's been playing really well, at least as far as scoring the ball, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now he's averaging eight points per game in 15 minutes, shooting over 40% from three. That's huge for this team. You know, that's the, exactly it is. It is. But again, we just have so many guards right now. Like, <laughs> I know. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be fun. How we draft. You know, who do we resign? You know, it's going to be very interesting summer because we have a lot of pieces that could work together. But I do feel like we can create another log jam that we talked about sure. in a few a few Absolutely. weeks ago. If, if you guys want to take a listen again, we talked about the log jam at different positions. There's so many guys that can hoop and there's so many guys that are playing well for Dwayne Casey and for us that it's going to be it's, it's going to be tough decisions that they have to make this summer. And, and, and if, uh, if we're competing for the playing game, like I think both of you, both of us think we can, you can't be tw- playing 12 dudes a night, Vlad, right? Like, I, I don't think so. It, don't you? I mean, that to me, that would mess up chemistry, rhythm, everything else. So you're right. We can't have this log jam again next year. Not if that's the goal. Absolutely. And I think to create this kind of log jam again, all these guys are going to want some more money. So how do you work that up? You know, because uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's, uh, eight points per game and shooting over 40% from three is not really a, a two-way type contract, you know? No, no I'm, <laughs> so, I mean, he, he shot the ball well enough, Vlad, that somebody's going to give him a chance. Like, shooting is a premium in this league 
and it creates spacing. Scoring off the bench is huge. And so you're right. A two-way is not going to get it done, based, in my opinion, based off what he's shown this year. That needs to have Saban Lee, right? And, you know, we're going to have Corey Joseph. We talked about him before, right? He's, he's playing well as a vet. So it's going to be very interesting. But now let's go to 313, Bryce. And um, we'll just focus on Killing Hayes. Let's start with Killing Hayes. What are your thoughts on him since he came back, you know, just uh, since his return? What do you think about Killing Hayes? It's funny, Vlad. As you're saying that, uh, I'm sitting here in the basement of my house by myself in my daughter's room recording. And, like, I can just feel this huge smile coming across my face as you talk about Killian Hayes. Because it's so much fun to watch him play and talk about him right now. Because the first seven games... It was Bust and Tyrese Halliburton. We should have drafted Halliburton and what's Troy Weaver doing and this and that. And it's just so refreshing to see him play well and people be on board with him. The passing ability is off the charts. He threw one the other night that was tough and and Rod Beard was there and I I tweeted at him and he said he goes you pretty much he was saying if you should have seen it from his point of view under the basket the spin that that Killian had to put on it the defense is really good and actually I think his ability to score the ball has shown through more than what we saw in the first seven games as well so I've been very very impressed Yes, uh, I would say I was very impressed too, but at the same time, it's kind of what I expected, for, like in what I've seen from him last uh, last year in Germany. And uh, one thing that was very interesting to me, though, it's they asked Kellen Hayes, you know, what he thought about the pass, and he said it wasn't very risky. And uh, for him, it wasn't, you know, like he just saw it that way. And then he asked Dwayne Casey about it, and Dwayne Casey was like, well, that was the second time I've seen that pass in the last 30 years. So I thought he was a little bit risky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows uh, his creativity, his passing ability. And um, that's something that I, I knew coming in that he can pass, you know. And from the preseason games, I was watching him and how he passed off the pick and roll. You know, how do you hit the short roll? Do you hit that back pass, you know, on the weak side for the shooters? Stuff like that. That uh, Or do you get rid of the ball if there is a hard hedge, which not a lot of teams play anymore. But do you get rid of the ball in time and stuff like that? And he does the right things. Now, what I'm more impressed is filling out the stat sheet. Yes. Like yes. He'll, he'll get you stuff like uh, borderline, like uh, – I don't know how many people remember, like Andre Kirilenko in Utah. It was like a five, 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 five walking <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. machine. I don't even know what you can call those games, but yeah, like yeah. he was like five steals, five blocks, five rebounds, five points, and I'm like Jesus, Kirilenko. And like <laughs> I feel like Hayes can do that. Like he can block some shots. He gets in the passing lane. He steals. Yep. You know, he gets the assists. He'll get his like easy buckets. And I really see him being able to. I don't know, maybe like. 12, 13 a game, then seven, eight assists, then six, seven rebounds, they have like three, four steals. Like I can see him like really having a great overall game for us and really be a floor general. That's for, for him, that's that's my thing is like, can you be like just a, a Rajon Rondo 2.0? Because, you know, just that's that's how good teams start, right? Like how important was Rajon Rondo to this championship de- teams that he's been on? Yeah. He's be huge. Boston, Boston, LA last year. Yeah. Right now with the Clippers, undefeated since he's, he's yeah, signed yeah. the Clippers. I didn't like that trade, and he's. I should have known better, but he's proving me wrong. He's, on he's that a winner. Trade. He's a yeah, winner. He's absolutely. a floor general. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of his game. I think Killian is 
and will be better. Sure. But I can see the similarity, like the like pass first. He likes to pass. You can see killing, he likes to pass. Yep. And, you know, sometimes maybe, you know, nowadays in the NBA, you want a point guard that can score, right? And you're like, oh, he was a top 10 pick. So you're expecting him to average 15, 20. You expect him to be like Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I'm not sure that's killing Hayes. I mean, you know, I think he likes to pass more and he like, he likes to get everybody involved and do everything rather than just, okay, I'm going to go get 20 and then we'll see after. Absolutely, man. And I think, I think a lot of Pistons fans, honestly, are, are coming to terms with that and are going to be okay with that. There's going to be some, and there'll be people around the league that say, oh, well, he, he's not giving, getting, getting you 20 a game. But especially, I didn't anticipate him filling up the stat sheet the way he is. And then if he's defending at the level he is right now, you know, as he continues to get stronger and adjust to the game, like the the defensive side of the ball should just get better. You know, what's interesting, you brought this up in at the beginning is I kind of, it'd be, I would love, I wish we were in a scenario where we could interview these guys, ask him questions, because I would love to know what Killian feels about the time he spent with his injury. And if it... I know this is crazy to say, but it was almost a blessing in disguise. Uh, we've both been through injuries. I miss a big chunk of my college career with injuries. But you see the game in a different way. You you watch the game. You study the game. You, you hear the coaches during practice and what they're saying. So then you see those things. And I wonder if in some ways it actually helped him make that adjustment a little bit better. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think... It has because I remember when he first got injured, Coach Casey said, you know, we'll keep him involved. We'll keep watch, like let him watch film and all this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think they've done a great job of keeping him involved, um, you know, show him stuff on video and keeping him locked in and also teaching him a bunch of stuff. And I think that's showing right now. But worth mentioning right now because I was looking at his stuff. And per 30 minutes, Bryce, right now, per 30 minutes, he's averaging 9, 6.5, and almost 4 rebounds a game. That's uh, really, that's not bad. I mean, no. for, and th- this is counting all the games, even the beginning of the season where he was playing worse. And another interesting stat, again, per 100 possessions. Okay, his offensive rating is 79, but his defensive rating is 113. Really? So defensively. So the stats are backing great. it up with the defense then. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly what I was looking for. And um, it's, I think it's what we need. It's, it's how we want to build this team. It's how they, they came in from day one and they say, you know, they want long athletic players that can switch, that can play the passing lane, that can be aggressive. And, you know, he fits the bill. And uh, I'm, gonna I'm excited. Do, I'm, I'm excited for the future. I'm going to do a breakdown this week. So if you're listening, check out Motor City Hoop sometime in the middle of this week. I'm going to do a breakdown of his first seven games and then these last seven games since he's returned from injury. And and not to prove anything, but I just like to see those things. You know what I mean, Vlad? So I'm going to do a breakdown between those seven games and kind of see where his shooting percentage is, his assist numbers, his his PER and different things like that. Um, just, to, just to see because – the eye test says he's definitely played better, and, and and it's definitely exciting to see. Absolutely, and if, if the numbers don't look at this, don't do it, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't show up on Twitter by Wednesday, then you guys know. Yeah, you know what's happening. But now another hot topic for the Pistons: fourth quarter, and we had two games last week that we just talked about, and um, you know, are, are these fourth quarter meltdowns detrimental long term? And uh, you're the one that came up with this this topic, Bryce. And uh, I'll be honest, 
at this point, I'm very, I, I'm okay with this. You know, you know why I'm okay because we're so. I feel like we're we're in such a battle, Bryce, to get that top three <laughs> pick that I'm like, I on one side I do want them to learn, and I feel like you gotta win games that way uh, to get better and to get more confidence and to close out games. But at the same time, it's like any win, even the Oklahoma City win, I was like, ah, oh, really? <laughs> it's like, can we just not win this game in the fourth quarter? I was like, okay, down to one. Come on, guys. We can do it. But really, it, this is a downside, really. Yeah. And this is the downside of the NBA right now and the, the way things are uh, being played out, you know, with the draft. Um, they still encourage tanking. Yeah. No. And, one way or another. I understand both sides, Vlad. That's why I put the question in there because I thought I feel like I would love to hear people's opinion on it. Like, share with us on Twitter if after you listen to the episode what you think about it. Because I understand wanting to lose those games and that we we are in a battle. Like right now, we have the third worst record in the league. The the Wol- Timberwolves and Rockets have worst record. I think by two games. Um, I, I just I think eventually it can become an issue. You know what I mean? Like. That's why I was okay seeing the th- the Thunder win because I think you need to pull one out every once in a while. But as long as the young guys are in there getting that experience, learning from it, being able to watch film, and I just don't think those late game situations are something you can really, really practice. We try here with our high school team and you just can't replicate the pressure and the environment and the situation. And so at the very least, at least they're getting those experiences. But I do think it's important for them to find success in those situations every so often like they did in the Thunder game. I, I, I totally agree with you. And we'll, we'll talk more on this on the, or around the NBA because we're going to talk about the playing games. Sure. And I have an idea that we can kind of borrow from Europe and I think it would fit in the NBA. It might be a little far-fetched right now. But it could solve tanking or in some way or another because I keep looking at standings because you just mentioned them. Yeah. Okay. The East looks decent, right? And yeah, yeah. Last ten, last 10 games, you know, the Cavs, the Raptors, oh, they're 12s right now, and they're 5-5 five and five last 10 games. The Cavs and the Magic – Three and seven. Right above us, they're three and seven, yeah. and we're four and six. Yeah, so which looks like, like okay, we're trying to play basketball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm geez. looking in the West. <laughs> I'm looking I, in the I West. Just, I just scrolled down there, Vlad, so I know where you're going with this. So. The, the Kings are one and nine. They lost nine in a row. The Thunder are one and nine. They lost nine in a row. The Timberwolves, they're four and six. Okay, and the Rockets are one and nine. So you can't tell me. And uh, in the same time, the Thunder are resting. Probably their best player, who's twenty years old. Yeah, Shea Gilgis. I'm I'm sorry, but that kid is like I understand he's very good, but sh- like he's twenty two years old. Shouldn't he play more? I'm, yeah, right. I'm just saying, like he's the future of a franchise. You know, he was a all rookie second team in 2019, and you know he's 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 the motor that goes forward with your franchise, and you're like arresting him and stuff yeah. at some point. Like it, it this this stuff really bothers me. And he goes to the core of, like, why people sometimes don't watch NBA basketball. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, we're yeah. going to get into it a little bit. The, the play-in tournament yeah. topic is going to be fun because I'm going to get into Absolutely. that a little bit. There there was a great yeah. call into uh, Frank Isola and, and your former teammate, Brian Scalabrini's show over the weekend or earlier this week I was listening to that talked about this. So, 
Um, I think that, I think we're going to get into it pretty good during the Around the NBA on that. Absolutely. But first, let's talk about the last topic about Pistons today. If you're in Troy Weaver's shoes, Bryce, making a decision, we have the number one pick. Who are you taking? I mean, it's Cade Cunningham, right? I, I don't – I. And I think you agree with me on this, and here's why. I'm so tired of hearing about the fit or we're, what are we going to do with Killian Hayes. or like They can play together. You talk about this all the time, having another playmaker ball handler on the floor with Killian to take some of the pressure off of him. Killian can play off the ball. Cunningham can play. Cunningham shot the ball really well from three this last year at Oklahoma State. He can score it. He can shoot it. We can start Kate at the two, and then we can – stagger their minutes that's what people do you sub Cade out six minutes into the first quarter let Killian finish off and then Cade starts the second quarter as the you know as the point guard and like you there's ways to do it where it's not just them on the floor all the time together I would take if the question was if I was Troy Weaver who would I take but I actually think Troy Weaver would take Evan Mobley and that's who I would take too. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, based on how our predictions on this show have gone, Detroit Pistons might as well start buying their Evan Mobley jerseys because that's that's what's going to happen. Because I'm never right, and you usually uh, are. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I, I love both players. I think on honestly, in the whole draft, there's only two players that are franchise changers, and that's Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley. Honestly, I've seen Jalen Suggs. I don't think he's, he's a franchise changer. He's not a Zion. He's not a John Moran. It's just my opinion. I've seen Jalen Green. He can really score the ball. Really score the ball. But, again, I don't see it. And going down the line, I think you're going to find very good players. I just don't see any franchise changers. Like, okay, this guy comes in. It's like He's like LeBron James. He's going to, you know eventually put a team on his back. But I do think Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley, they're both going to do that. And there is no right or wrong here, if you ask me. It's just a matter of what are we going to prefer at that point. And just looking at track record, okay, Kate Cunningham 6'8", Evan Mobley 7 feet. The only thing that really intrigues me about Mobley is his potential. Because up until the NCAA tournament, I was like, okay, he's like a center, maybe power forward. And then I see him handle the ball more. And I'm like, crossover between the legs, pass off the dribble. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. That's a whole di- different dimension that I didn't even think about. You know, like, I was seeing him something different. Sure. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, potential. And judging how people draft last few years, I would say last five to ten years, it's about potential. And I, mean, I think Kate Cunningham can bring more off his rookie year. Sure. I think he'll help you right away. Yep. Uh, he's had an amazing season. And Mobley has, you know, he's he's had a great season too. He averaged like 16, 8, and 3, I think. Yeah, he's Pac-12 player of the year. I mean, it's not like Absolutely. he – Absolutely. But, so, okay, I can live with that, Vlad. If, if you're telling me – because I think we have to go boom. Uh, like, I think we have to swing for the fences on this pick. I, I think this – as good as last year's draft was, Sadiq, Killian, Stewart, 
I don't think any of them are your franchise guy, like your number one face of the franchise, change the trajectory. They're all really good and collectively they're going to start changing it. But I think we have to swing for the fences. So if you're going to tell me Mobley has a higher ceiling than Cade Cunningham, which I could see, then I would buy into Evan Mobley if that's what if that's what you, Troy Weaver, you know, whoever thinks. If that's what if that's what you're telling me, then I could buy into that. Yeah, that, that's just my thought that he has a higher ceiling and I, I don't want to put this out there, but maybe I will. Do it. Can he become can he become like a KD? Sure. Like a seven footer that just handles the rock. And it, it, it's something that I've said about Wiseman at, at some point during the yeah. season, but I feel like he lost himself and he I did. hope he kind of gets yeah. it back. It's been sad Whereas, to kind of see that, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, it, it, it's not easy to play with Steph Curry either as a rookie sure. that can, you know, as a topic in draft, as one of the topics in the draft to play with Steph Curry. You're a five man that can do it all, basically. It's not easy because Steph Curry takes a lot of shots, a lot of the ball handling. Uh, he does take a lot of the pressure too, but at the same time, that's going to affect his, you know, he's going to be a lot more up and down. Uh, on a team like ours, though, I feel like Mobley can develop very fast and we do have the same kind of, um, I would say age group that can just kind of mold in, you know, like they can grow together. Grow together, him, yes. Right. Mobley, Hayes, Bay, Stewart. I mean, just, just the lineup of this four and, and Jeremy Grant to me just sounds like a defensive juggernaut, like maybe two years <laughs> down be, the road. That would be tough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that they can be all passing lane, just contest every shot, you know. And switching everything, right? Because both of those bigs could switch. You know, I, I go Absolutely. Up, they can I, block shots. Yeah. Both of them block shots, challenge shots, make it hard to get the rim. You know, Jeremy Grant is the same way. You know, it's very long, athletic, you can block shot. And it's going to be very interesting. But Bryce, now... I do have a, a hot take here. And if you have the third pick, Cunningham who are you taking? Cunningham and Mobley are gone, right? That's what we said. So Yeah, we, yeah. You we, said Cunningham and Mobley are gone. We end up with the third pick. Cunningham and Mobley, no surprises, have been taken with number one, number two. I'm going Jalen Green. And I know our guy, Lance Caparossi, who was filled in last week, came on the show, did a great job. We appreciate you from everything Pistons. Okay, he loves Jalen Suggs. I love Gonzaga. If if I had my pick to play anywhere in college coming out of JUCO, I would have gone to Gonzaga. I wasn't good enough, obviously, so I didn't. So, But I've always been a fan of Gonzaga. Suggs is really good. But I think if we're picking number three, I would take Jalen Green because of what you said earlier. I think he's the highest upside scorer in the draft. And I know we're not drafting for fit, Vlad, but in terms of a fit, we need somebody that can score the basketball. So I would take Jalen Green if I was Troy Weaver with the number three pick. And I would trade it, bro. <laughs> I saw your nose. I couldn't believe this. I can't wait. I'm sorry. I just said it. Cunningham Mobley are gone. Yeah. I don't see anybody that we can't get with the fifth, especially, especially with Weaver. I have a lot of faith in Weaver. And if he can draft Sadiq Bey and, you know, like mid-first round and Stewart, why can't he do it again this year? Like, can you trade down, somehow get two picks? Vlad, if, if you're trading away the number three or four pick, you're you're bringing in some other assets because those are going to be coveted picks. So, you know, if you trade down to I'm 10 or sure 12. I'm pretty sure you can bring a player. A pl- you can bring a good a good player. And a mid, a mid to late first round pick. I a thousand percent agree. I, I a thousand I mean, percent agree that you would get that return. 
Why not? Especially with, with Weaver, who who does his due diligence. He scouts very well. He's known to be a great, great scouter. And I mean, just just this year, I'm trying to think like, give me one signing, one trade has been like, oh man, that's terrible. No, I mean, that's been a bust. Like yeah. Diallo. Like the, the, okay. yeah, honestly, right now that. Uh, in on all seriousness, right now that in as good as he played his first two games, and he's he hasn't played the last two. I think he's a little bit in the doghouse, or maybe Casey's kind of sending a message the way he did to Seku. That's probably if you wanted to pick out one thing, that's it. It's yeah, and we traded. Sorry, KU fans, we traded Svee. so it's not like we you know it wasn't some crazy. Thing. I think I think him and. It looked at Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City, looked at each other and said, hey, let's swap these guys out, give them a change of scenery and see what happens. Absolutely. And overall, I do have a lot of faith in, in Weaver. And, you know, if, if you have a third pick, yes, you can go with Green. I think I would, I would say that's the safest sure. for us yeah. at this point. Yep. You don't want to bring a 6'4 point guard in Jalen Suggs when you just have Killian Hayes. A six six Jalen Green scorer, it fits it fits a lot better with Killen Hayes and yeah. his timeline. But I would still trade it. If I was Weaver, I would still trade it. Um knowing that I'm I'm that good of a scouter and I've done my homework. Okay. If 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 I'm not comfortable and I, I can't imagine this being the case, you know, I haven't done my job and see who's gonna be from fifteenth to twenty fifth, let's say. And I'm not sure who's there, which is not going to be the case with Weaver. I'm pretty sure he knows that first round in and out like, yep. <laughs> like the Bible. Yeah. And uh, I would say trade it if you can get a player and a first round this year. Yeah. I, I think if you can stay in the lottery, Vlad, because this will lead us into the, the final scenario yep. before we go to the around the NBA. The, the draft gets really interesting from number six on. There's a lot of good players, and they're kind of all over the place. Like, you can see them at number six, and then you'd see them at 15, like in the mocks and stuff. So, yeah, if he can stay in the lottery, he could still come down. If, if he if he finds that guy that he really thinks maybe he's being undervalued a little bit, it, it's a fun scenario, but I think there's a little substance to it as well, Vlad. Absolutely. And with this last scenario, bro, we have a sixth pick. Who are you taking? Trade down available to number 10 and extra assets. Yeah, I mean, so in this one, I'm actually all there on you with you at trade down. And I just put in number 10 just to throw out an actual number. If I can stay in the lottery somewhere, I'm trading down. Maybe we get another first. That number six pick isn't going to bring in as much because, you know, this is supposedly a five-person draft. But I would trade back. And I would take a guy like Gerard Butler, Duarte, or sorry, sorry, that's that's back at the back end of the first round. I'm talking about Book Knight, the kid Giddy out. If I'm am I saying that right from Australia, and Cam Thomas from LSU. So that's what I would look at. Is I would trade to the back end of the lottery, look at one of those scoring guards. And then I would also, this is what I was talking about with Butler and Duarte. I would flip our three second round picks jump back into the end of the first round and grab a, another guy like Butler or Duarte. Absolutely. Now we'll trade it to Bryce. But I do have, if we're in that range, I do have two players that I love. And one you might be surprised of, Davion Mitchell. He's, I know he's a point guard. Vlad, I know he's 6'2". He's the his hot energy, name right now. He's the hot name right now. Bryce, his energy is like Isaiah Stewart. 
You know, yeah. when he comes to the floor, he defends. He gives you so much energy. I was looking at the Baylor team. That Baylor team was dead without him on the floor. They were not as aggressive. They were not as confident. And that starts from a floor general. And I don't know how that would work killing Hayes. Can can we move killing it too? Or do you just draft him and your first round pick this year would be a backup? I don't know, but I loved the energy that he gave that team. I love the confidence he gave that team. And that's what I would say, Davian Mitchell. But I do think that Zaria Williams from Stanford, he okay. fits the bill, Bryce. Okay. If, we're, if we're in that range, he's a shooting guard slash small forward, Bryce. He's 19 years old. He's 6'8", <laughs> 185. So he has the frame. He's just not there yet. He's, yeah. he's just not there yet. You know, and I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking on NBA Draft.net right now. As we're talking, I just pulled him up uh, because I was very interesting to to see their grades. You know, size like 9 out of 10. Athleticism, 8 out of 10. And all this stuff they can see about him. Defense, 8 out of 10. So he's there on that side, you know, passing 8 out of 10. Um, You know, I just don't think he's NBA ready. They don't think he's NBA ready either. Um, So I think that's one thing about him. But again, on the big board, he's number eight. On the 2021 mock, he would be like around 12th pick so, right now. So I think Vlad, Indiana has him at 12th. This is what's crazy. So you're on DraftNet. I'm on ESPN NBA Draft. You know where they have Williams on their big board? Where? 24th. Oh, man. That's what I said. Just trade Weaver, y'all. It's, it's all over. And, so, and, and all these dudes from after the top five, like it's shooting guard, shooting guard, shooting guard. Shooting guard, shooting like like there's ten of them in the top twenty five here, and so that's where it does get interesting. Like, I think I'm with you. I think Weaver can go get one of these dudes if we don't get the franchise changer, and, and it, it depends. We we may disagree on how many of these guys we think are franchise changers at the top. I think I think there's three. I think you you obviously think I, there's I think two. Green is bored. I, are you referring to Green or Suggs? I don't think I one. don't think Suggs is franchise changing. Green. Green is franchise changing. His borderline. His borderline just because his, I don't his know scoring. how much else. Exactly. I don't know how much else he brings to the table. Though. But but he can go That's get you. That's the only thing I haven't. Can he have a Bradley Bill type effect on your franchise? I'm not saying – like I don't want people to freak out. I'm not has saying he's going to be Bill, – No. Has Bradley Bill changed okay. the franchise? No, I know. Yes, I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> 30 points a game is 30 points a game, though. And I know I just said that Absolutely. Russ was the alpha. So, you got me on it's, it's hard, right? It, it but I hard. do get what you're saying. You know and what I mean, with though? this kind of team, though, you might not need Green to be the franchise exactly. changer. Okay, yes. Yeah, but he, Killian Stewart, Bay Grant can be those guys that just pull all together. And Green just, okay, you go get 25 because that's what we need. You that, know, that's going to exactly. get us. From, from from scoring 100 points per game is going to get us to 120, 125. Yeah. And it's exactly what we need, you know. Hey, get us a bucket. Like, yes. we're not going to run picking all the last three minutes. Get us a bucket, please. No. Yes. And so that's we're what, missing that. And so that's what – so outside of those guys, why not end up with two first-round picks and go get two of these guys that we're talking about that are all over the board? Like, who knows where exactly. they're going to end up going? Mm-hmm. And that's – you take two chances. So if you miss on one, it's okay. You, you, not, you hit on the other one. I just I think it's a fascinating draft lot. Like I'm I'm pumped for it as a Pistons fan, but just as an NBA fan in general. And cause there's a lot of scenarios that could play out. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be very interesting to see how Weaver plays this out because yes. <laughs> uh, he already traded here. You already have uh, what two second round picks? Three, three. Uh, oh yeah, because we got ours back too. Yeah, three. Sorry, three second round picks, uh, and I think that there's a lot of room to improve there. Um, I'll be curious if if he doesn't trade those two. Yep, absolutely. Um, now, Bryce, let's go around the NBA and the hottest topic of the day. I feel like it. I can hear you. I can the, hear your hands over there. The plane tournament, all the way over in oh Europe. I hear you warming up your hands. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. You don't like it. And my fellow European Luca, he hates it too. I know. He made me mad, bro. Why, Bryce? Tell me. Why do you like this playing game? I just think it's exciting, man. Like, so just a real quick explanation for our listeners, because I didn't completely understand this till a few weeks ago. Seven and eight will play each other. Whoever wins is the seven seed. The nine and 10 will play each other. Whoever loses is out. Whoever wins will play the loser from the first game we just outlined and get the eight seed. So if you end up as the seven or eight seed, you have to win one game to stay in the playoffs. If you're a nine or 10, you have to win two games to end up in the playoffs. Um, and it's, it's just one game. It's not best of three, anything like that. I, I do like, I do think from a competitive thing, like for the league, I think some teams are going to continue to compete because of this chance. We talked about the Wizards earlier, like the Raptors who haven't had a great season are still right in there. I just I think those games are going to be freaking awesome, man. Like I just think they're going to be exciting to watch. So, and and I think it was an NBA could use the shortened season as a reason to implement something different. But Luca hated it. Cuban backed him up, and we talked a few weeks ago about Draymond, Draymond's comments on about playing for tenth. So it doesn't sound like the players in the league like it. Well, Bryce, uh, okay, we'll give up the Mavericks. They're in seventh right now, right? They're three games ahead of, of San Antonio, who's 10th. And they're two games behind the Blazers. So let's say they're going to win the majority of the games. And they're going to make it. They finish 7th. And they have like a five, six games between them and the 10th. They lose the game with the Grizzlies, who are the 8th spot. And then they go. To, they, they play the Spurs. Or the Warriors. They would be the Warriors. Could be yeah, the- them or the Warriors. I, I mean, I'm just giving an example yeah, yeah. because for this scenario, the less wins you have at 10th is better. <laughs> so let's say the Mavericks have like eight more wins than the 10th spot. And they end up losing. You know, they have a bad night, one game. The eighth seed beats them. And now they're in a dogfight to fight for the playoffs after winning seven or eight more games in the 10th spot. And they can go down and lose that game and they're out. When they could have had a good matchup with the Suns, they avoided the number one. You know, like to to me, that's the only thing that doesn't make it fair, right? And it's like the Heat, right? They're in seventh right now. They can have one bad night, but at the same time, in a playoff series, I would rather see the Heat and the Nets in the playoff series than them losing and having like the Wizards. And, and so, and here was I think it was Lance also, but. You know, the Bulls are 23 and 33, and we'll get to the Bulls here in a little while. You know, they're 10 games under 500, and they could theoretically end up being the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. So, like, I, I do see that point of it. Um, I don't know how you. Is it about your body? It's about your body of work, right? It's like the NCAA tournament. You know, like, how do you get in? It's like, well, you can just sneak in, like, and just make it all the way to finals like that, you know, as a. Oh yeah, you're gonna play in the playing game you know, for the 16th seed, and then all of a sudden you play in the final four. 
it, it just feels it, it's just something bad about it. To me, I understand they want to put more on the line as far as regular season goes. Yeah. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. But to me, it just kind of counters it because I'm like, well, you're not putting that much because right now the Bulls have 20, have 23 <laughs> wins and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. T-Rex, like, right? So how is that fair to anybody? I, I just that, that That's what bothers me. And as I was thinking, you know, in Europe, there's like a play out kind of thing, right? So all the teams that don't make the playoffs, usually they fight to stay in the league. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've in always, most cases. That's always been interesting to me. So... So it's right now that. in the NBA you, you don't ha- so in the NBA you don't have where to go down right because yeah. there's not two 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 leagues yeah yeah uh, like a top top t- tier one and tier two so in the NBA I think it could work as far as fighting for draft picks and you don't have to make the playout playoffs as uh, you know as long as the the real playoffs right you can make it out of three games you know best out of three home home and then you know the game three can be to the better ranked team. But to me, you could fight for draft picks. And however that plays out, you know, you get that draft pick in order. So, like, if I win the playoff tournament, maybe I get a first round, like a first pick in draft. And that way, nobody tanks, you know, because I do want to have home court advantage. I do want to finish even 10th because that's going to give me a better chance that I'm going to have home court advantage in the playoff tournament. You know what I'm saying? Just, so- just to give them some kind of incentive to not tank at all during the so, regular so season. So you're talking about 9 through 16. Is that what you're 9 saying? through 16 playing their own playoffs, basically, oh, so for draft picks. You take those, what would it be? It would be 14, those 14 teams, each seven from each conference. You go put them in some sort of playout tournament, as you call it. And if you win that, you get the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, so something like that. Okay. Somewhere okay. on those lines. You, you play for draft picks. Somehow they can arrange it that, yes, maybe the winner just gets the top pick, you know, and the finalist, whoever played that, they get the number two pick. And then you just do it by ranking. Okay, I got the you. Top two. And I feel like that way you also encourage the teams to keep playing, right? Because I want home court advantage in these games. You know, I don't want, as a Detroit fan, let's say, I don't want to play all my games away, basically. Sure. You know, I have to keep winning on the road. Yeah. And... I don't. Maybe I don't make the same trades. You know, maybe, maybe Blake just, Griffin has yeah. a lot more incentive. Maybe you to just give him play. straight, straight home, home, home court advantage through the whole thing. You know, there's there is no home away games. If you're the higher seed, you get all three games at home or something like that to really. Yeah, exactly. I got you. Okay, I can. It, it's just something else that I understand. They want to make the regular season more interesting. Yeah, but I feel like this is not the way where a seventh seed can actually not make the playoffs. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that because uh, I understand the whole. Okay, it's a playing tournament, and you're in the playoffs already. Uh. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I, I definitely see the side you're bringing up, and I have seen it more and more. I think, I think when I initially saw this vlog, I put my fan cap on, and just as a fan, it's like, oh, uh, this is extra basketball that we get to watch, and it's it's one game. So it's high good. pressure basketball. Yeah. So it's, I love that. It's it's going to be exciting. So my fan hat says this is awesome, but you're right. Oh, yeah. As you've talked and I've listened to other people talk, my competitor just like I, I don't know whatever hat says. Okay, I can see where this isn't fair to some of these teams. 
Yeah, I mean, just put your Mark Cuban suit on, and you're not <laughs> going to like it. I wish and, I had a Mark Cuban suit. I'd take hey, about man, it. I'm I, just saying, uh, that T-shirt, actually, he never wears a suit at a game, the T-shirt. but He don't wear it on shorts. And, I take one-tenth <laughs> of whatever Mark Cuban has. I live pretty good. Absolutely, but what I'm saying is, you know, for him as an owner, too, it doesn't make any sense, right? Sure. I mean, I, yeah. I have a good team. I'm making all these trades. I'm trying to bring J.J. Redick out of the trade line to help me get in the playoffs, and then... Luca has an ankle sprain. Well, and here's the thing. And I lose out. And people are going to say, oh, well, it's another, it's more home playoff games, more money. Well, it may not be because if they lose those it's games, a long game. <laughs> yeah, if they, exactly. If they lose those games, then they miss out on the games they could get in the first round or if they get past the first round in the next round. So he's probably looking at it from the perspective of, we might end up losing money by having less home playoff games. So absolutely. And I think it's going to be also hard to sell those. Oh, we have a playing game. Uh, really? <laughs> sure. Like, uh. But now let's talk about a team that's not in the plane and nowhere near the playing games, but is also not a contender anymore, in my opinion. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets. And uh, unfortunately, Jamal Murray with an ACL injury. And uh, Bryce, you have your fair share uh, of experience uh, with this. Um, first, what what is your thought on on Jamal Murray's recovery at this point? Because in my opinion, it also affects next season for them. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, for our listeners, we we've gotten into this slowly through our episodes, but I tore my ACL three times um, while at American. Ended up finishing my career playing on a torn ACL just so I could finish the season out with my teammates um, while Vlad was redshirting that year after his transfer. So I, I have been through it. I've torn it. I've recovered. I've had the surgeries. All that. And it, it takes some time, you know, it's, it's ACL surgery injuries have come a long way. Surgeries, you know, six months being on the court and ready to go is probably about as fast as it can be. So that would be looking at what October 1st of November Vlad, but there's a lot of confidence stuff that comes with that as well. And, and my game, the way I played lended itself to playing through this stuff because I was kind of a catch and shoot shooter and stuff like that. I, not a whole lot of quick change of directions for me. So, <laughs> you know, somebody like Jamal Murray getting the confidence in that leg back and the things he can do and the explosiveness, it'll be all-star break before I think of next season um, before you're going to see the full Jamal Murray. And, and it's just unfortunate because this that team for him individually for that team for the NBA and the NBA playoffs in general because honestly Vlad you're right in my opinion I wrote it down in my notes we're down to four real contenders in the Western Conference after that injury absolutely and just to put it in uh, uh, stats since February Jamal Murray averaged twenty three point eight points per game shooting fifty percent from the field <laughs> as a guard the duel. The duo Jokic-Murray has a net rating of 11.9. No Murray, Jokic is at minus 2.1. Wow. So right now, the, Murray's injury doesn't only put the Nuggets out of championship contender. Like, they're not a contender anymore, in my opinion. But you know what can affect? Jokic MVP, MVP run. Absolutely. Yep. With his last games, and right now, Jokic has two options, really. And he's going to play... Un- unbelievable basketball. He's already playing unbelievable basketball. So he can raise it one more notch and be like, no doubt about it. Like unanimous MVP at this point, you know, like he's a, yeah, I don't know how, the, but the, the nuggets, the straw pool has him leading. So absolutely. So like if the nuggets somehow, like they really keep playing at the, at, at the pace they've been playing, they keep winning at the, at the, the rate they have been winning. Clearly Jokic is going to be 
amazing. Agreed. And he's going to be the MVP, no Absolute, doubt about it. No doubt. If he has a dip in performance right now, like he, like the net rating is showing that he will, I think there's going to be some questions about the MVP. Absolutely. And, and Embiid has come back from his injury strong and is trying to make a strong case for it immediately Absolutely. coming back. Yeah. So, Vlad, I have one question before we go to the Bulls and that trade. You, you're the only one of us, too, that's a professional athlete, so I'm going to let you answer this. Do you think the lack of training camp, the condensed season, the shortened off season, all of the above, this went around on Twitter a lot after the Jamal Murray injury. Do you think some of that has caused, I don't know, that there, there is a perception right now that there's been more injuries this year. I don't know what the numbers are going to exactly show, but do you think uh, you've been through training camps, you're playing right now through this COVID. We talked about this before the show. You're about to get a two week break finally, you know, and, you got to do all kinds of things to take care of your body to still play. Do you, do you think that's had a huge effect on players, the short offseason, condensed schedule, etc.? I cannot imagine the NBA, Bryce, but I'm telling you, this has been the hardest basketball season of my life. There's no doubt about it. Um, from when we started um, to our season being pushed back one month because of so many COVID cases in the league, um, after having COVID to having muscle cramps, uh, my back gets tight every now and then still because muscle cramps. And apparently it is still because of COVID, like uh, just stuff that's been second effects from COVID. Sure. Well, and I can imagine, and I can imagine these guys, Bryce, and just you think about it, you get COVID or you get in that COVID protocol and you're out seven days, 10 days. It's not like, I'm out and I'm still going to lift every day and I'm still going to grueling practices. And like Tatum said it, you know, you do get more tired. You do have issues coming back. He's having to use a, a, an inhaler, he said, for the first time in his yeah. life. Um, you know, Absolutely. Because it's, it's so hard. And on top of that, not having fans of the games, not having that same feeling. It's, it's not always easy to get up for the game. And, you know, have the same warm-up, be so pumped up. So I can imagine that every little thing, I'm not saying it's one thing. Everything piled but together. it can be a domino effect. Absolutely, you for know, sure. It's, I'm missing one week of training camp. I'm having 10 less days of rest in between the seasons. I'm, you know, all these little things add up and your body just gives up. And your body just gives up and there's no... You know, it, it, it's been it, it, – I told you, personally for me, has been the hardest basketball season of my entire career as a pro, collegiate athlete, high school, however you want to put it. This has been the season. Um, it, it's grueling, you know, and just being in bubbles and it's the same way they do it somehow in the NBA. You know, where we go to a hotel, we can't get out of it. Uh, we go there, like uh, we stop with the bus Right before we leave, everybody goes get their waters and whatever they want to get from the grocery store, and that's it. And once you get on the bus, you go to the hotel, you stay in the hotel, you go to the gym, you go back to the hotel, and that's it. You can't even go to the store. And the protocol is somewhat similar to the NBA from what I've seen, and uh, it's tough. It's tough, right? I can see that mentally also takes a toll on you, and that can eventually affect you physically too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Bryce, let's go to the Chicago Bulls since we talked about them. 23 wins, but what do you think about the Vucevic trade at this point in the, in the season, Bryce? Vlad, like, I think we both love this trade. Like, I think 
I think I said this was the most impactful trade that happened at the trade deadline because I thought it was going to take them from, I think they were seventh or eighth in the standings when that trade happened. And I could thought I could see them moving up into the four or five spot. So I thought they were going to make the most movement. And that's what I meant in terms of impact. But they've not been good, Lod. They're, they're four and nine since the trade. Levine in it, you know, we just talked about COVID. Zach Levine, their best player, is in COVID protocol right now. And they're sitting at number 10, tied with the Washington Wizards. So that trade isn't looking very good in the short term. You know, it doesn't look like it's going to make a major impact for them. I was looking at their financial situation, their cap room, and it doesn't look like they have room to make another guy, add another guy this offseason. So maybe long term, it still plays out in their favor. But they gave up, you know, a young, solid player in Wendell Carter Jr. and two first round picks. They also gave up Otto Porter Jr. But, you know, so they gave up some assets for Vucevic. And at least in the short term, it's not looking good. I agree. Short term, not looking good. Long term, I think it was the right thing to do to bring Vucevic to keep uh, Zach Levine happy and give him a a partner in crime. One thing I don't like about the trade was this year's first round pick. Yeah. They needed that. You needed that one. Not having the cap space, not having the ability to sign a third star per se that can put you over the top, that can make you a top five, top six team in the... Uh, in the East, I really think you needed that draft pick, and that's the that's the biggest thing for me. It's is losing the pick this year. I think it's what um, really uh, is, is going to become an issue for the Bulls down the road. Other than that, I think overall it, it's a good player. I mean, they got they got an All Star price. I mean, they got a guy that averages twenty plus and ten plus and three plus assists i mean he's a really dominant force he fits you know i think his style of play is very good um and very it complements zach levine's i i do see all the pieces right there it's just it's a fortune that levine is in kobe protocol right now and that's really gonna kill the bulls and maybe it's just gonna take some time to gel vlad you know yeah and and second i think they do need one more guy if they want to be that team so i think overall it's an okay trade, but losing the first round pick from this year's draft, that's too much right now for the Bulls. Agreed. And now another sad story after Jamal Murray's LaMarcus Aldridge, he decided to retire after playing with an irregular heartbeat. It's not the first time it's happened. He's also missed games in 2011. He's had a surgery or um, some similar that for twice. He did it in 2011-2012, but this time he decided to to hang them up probably because of his age and everything. And um, it's this is his... I don't even know. Should I go to the next part of it and what are the next going forward? But really, most importantly, uh, I've been a huge fan of LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, if you see me play, I do like the turnaround fadeaway. <laughs> his, his turnaround, Jay, is, uh, is, is, is a beauty to watch with a high release. You know, and I feel like um, people do forget how good LaMarcus yes, Aldridge was. exactly. Because Thank he you. did play with Brendan Roy and then Damian Lillard. But something I really wanted to note is that I do remember that the, the first Houston series they won, I, I, I forget the year, but it was the first buzzer beater that uh, Damian Lillard hit. It was like 0.6 seconds oh, to go yeah, yeah. to send Houston home. And people forget that in that series, LaMarcus Aldridge had 
two 40-point games. And the game that later hit the buzzer beater, he had 30 and, thir- uh, 30 and 13. And he's really so underrated. I feel like that's why he also left Portland is because he felt like, okay, I was the second guy to Brendan Roy. And now Lillard coming along and I'm second guy again. And I feel like he kind of grew tired of it. But then he kind of realized later on in his career it's that was like, ah, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. No, I, And, you know. I, I, well, what do you think? Yeah, I have no. Uh, I wasn't going to go the Nets' perspective on this either. Like we've talked about them plenty. I, I think give Lamarcus Aldridge his due for the career he's had. He was a seven-time All Star, two-time NBA Second Team. You know, the, making an All NBA Team, Vlad, is that those are big time. I mean, that's that means he was you know one of the top ten players in the league two different years, and he was a three-time NBA third team. That irregular heartbeat, I, I was not aware of this, but it actually showed up his rookie season. And he said it was time to start focusing on his family and his health. You know, this is a conversation you and I have all the time about your career and where you're at. You know, from our if our listeners know, you know, you you're away from your family sometimes. You have young kids, obviously a wife and everything else. And this is a decision you're coming close to in, in your career as well. And it is kind of funny you bring up that fadeaway that you and Aldridge kind of have that similar mid range game. So um, I'm glad you brought that up though with Aldridge and his. Just how underappreciated maybe he was, how good of a player he was, those big games he's had in the playoffs. You know, and the the one thing I wanted to touch on that you, you, you didn't was we never got to see the full potential of that Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Greg Oden trio that who knows, you know, the NBA then was about bigs. So I th- I'm sure people listening are going, what do you mean Greg Oden and LaMarcus Aldridge? But back then that, that was like the twin towers, you know, and uh, injuries derailed that for Brandon Roy and Greg Oden. So. Absolutely. And, you know, I was reading actually um, two articles, one on The Athletic and one on ESPN about Marks Aldridge and Pritchard, who was the GM of, of um, Portland back when they drafted Aldridge. He goes in, um, I think it was a training camp. And uh, he said, he's like, you know, look at Aldridge. He's going to be the best out of this three. <laughs> And I think the journalist was like, are you kidding me? He's like, Brendan Roy is like, he's, he's the rookie of the year right yeah. now. Do, do you realize that? You're talking about <laughs> Greg Oden, like the Greg Oden. And, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge, I don't know how many people remember him from Texas, but he was like a skinny, long, uh, you know, long-armed, uh, four, five. Uh, you know, he, he couldn't really find his position at that, you know, at that point. I feel like it. Um but he was—he was really a beast, Bryce. He's like—he's he, also the Portland all-time leading rebounder. He's a third-time uh, all-time scorer. I mean, and Terry Stotts called him a top-five blazer all-time, and I would say he's top three if you ask me. I don't—I have Bill Walton up there, and I don't really know if you know. I think he's over Sabonis. He's over you know if you can put Rashid Wallace there and Clyde Drexler. But I, I do love what he did for for. Uh, for Portland, and uh, I, I hope, I hope, I know there's some bad blood there, especially now that he signed with the Nets. From my understanding, it was that he kind of wanted to go back to Portland and he changed his mind. Uh, but I do hope that they retire his jersey as soon as, uh, as soon as, as soon as possible. It was a great career. He had a great career. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, but just to quickly touch on this, what do you think is going to happen with the Nets right now, Bryce? Uh. I don't know. I'm sure Blake has another gear that he's been saving, and so he. No, just, oh, don't go there. Don't go there. 
I don't know. That that Eastern Conference, I don't trust any of those teams flawed, so I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't, you know, I, I love Joel Embiid. Again, a KU guy. I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan, but we'll see. The Bucks. we talked about this last week. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not bought in there. And the Nets, like, are they going to stay healthy? You know, KD, I know it was a quad contusion, but he went out of the game today. Kyrie, like, you never know, like, uh, it's who am I? I'm not here to comment on people's mental health and what they need and stuff like that. But uh, he's not dependable. Uh, when you look at him as an NBA basketball player, Vlad, you never know if he's gonna be able, if he's gonna be there to play or not. Like I just I feel like he's a little bit of a wild card, and it seems like James Harden hasn't played in a few weeks. So yeah, I, it's tough to trust that team as well. Absolutely, and. Um, Kyrie's going through some big changes right now. You know, I think he's uh, converted to Muslim, and he's um, this is his first Ramadan, from my understanding. Oh, if I read it right, okay. So he's having some issues with that, as far as uh, his, I guess his body's getting used to it. And uh, I, I think Cantor has been a great promoter of it, and uh, it's, it's greatly appreciated what they're doing. Honestly, just uh, um, you know, following their religion and uh, what they do. But it's 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 tough. It's tough, especially if, from my understanding that this is the first time he's uh, he's fasting like this. That and has to be I think, a huge change know, for his body. It's it's a huge change. Yeah, it's a huge change for Kyrie. So that's really understandable. But on the basketball side of things too, I do I, I do think it's 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 costing the Nets at this point. But that's up then to figure it out, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Either the uh, the East to me, the, the 76 are the biggest contenders. Um, they're also the best coach teams if you ask me uh i'm a big fan of doc rivers so so maybe maybe that's why yeah i'm a huge river fan because everywhere he went he he basically won he won some way or another and uh he's doing what people expect the 76ers to do last two three years maybe yeah and he's right there with them he's he's right there with them where they dominate the east conference eastern conference and uh We'll see what comes up. But for us, you know, the Cavs, the Mavericks, the Spurs, the Pacers, the next uh, seven days. Bryce, uh, two of the, three of those games are against teams that I said we're not going to beat. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're in a, a dogfight. Yeah. The Mavericks and the Spurs are and in a dogfight. Like, we just talked yeah. about it, uh, you know, in that seven to – in the playing game. Yeah. <laughs> in the playing game area. Pacers as well. In the Western – and the Pacers in the East, yeah. And the Cavs are uh, right there around us. And hopefully we don't beat the Cavs. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. Uh, so, I mean, that's the game I'm most interested in this week um, because we're resting all of our guys. Um, t- so that'll be – it'll be today if you're listening to this whenever it comes out on Monday. But that Cavaliers game on the 19th, where, you know, most of the vets, <laughs> as we, we kind of joked about that earlier – are resting. I don't even know who's going to start at the four because Grant and Sekou, Sekou's out with the concussion. So I don't know if Tyler Cook will get the start or if Hami or JJ will start at the four and will go small or, small or maybe Sadiq even. So I'm interested to see. That game will be fun. It'll be the young guys. It'll kind of be like the Thunder game. And then, you know, uh, let's see what we can do with Luka Doncic, you know, and, and the Dallas Mavericks. So... Well, well I'm interested to see Killing Hayes and Luka. Yes. Um, Those matchups are always It's fun. not like... Yeah, I think Russ has a little bit of a uh, extra gear for uh, for killing Hayes at this point, and it's something yeah. that it, it's something that really you don't see in Europe, and it, it was very hard for Killian to to you know play against that the first few times. But I'm I'm really wondering how that matchup is going to go for for uh, for Hayes, and that's most what I'm interested in until the end of the year, right? Until uh, 
May 16th. Um, it's really just seeing these guys play and seeing Hayes develop, uh, Sadiq playing this way. And uh, also, honestly, Bryce, I want to see how long Stewart can play with this energy as a starter. <laughs> I, I, I was because... waiting for that. No, no. You know why? Because after seeing the la- last two games, I'm like, maybe I was wrong. But in the same time, it's two games. And we're talking about 82 games usually. But if you can do this right now for 10 games, well, uh, that's, 10, 12 games yeah. in a row, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he should be a starter. Well, maybe he can play at his energy level 82 well, games, so, which is unreal to me. Yeah, well, and like you say, that that's a fair point. You know, as I say, it was a fair point when you brought it up. But let's see. And, and so we're going to see. He, the last two games, he's been incredible. He started two games ago. He didn't start last night, but he played a bunch of minutes. And he's going to start tomorrow against, Cle- or against Cleveland. And so that's going to be three games in a row. He's going to start two of the three, play a lot of minutes. And let's see if, you know, and then we have a back-to-back later in the week. So to your point, I think this is going to give us a chance, even in a small scale, you know, to see if he can play with that energy and go grab, you know, he's not going to get 21 rebounds every night, but can he continue to score the ball, make threes when he gets them, and, you know, go get 10 to 15 rebounds and block a couple shots? Because you're right, that is a lot of energy, and the NBA is a physical, physical league. So, Absolutely, Bryce. And that, that, that was my biggest thing with him, but he's, he's been nothing short of impressive. And I was at 22, I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Like, yeah. <laughs> is he okay? And, you know, he, he has um, – well, what's crazy, Bryce, you know, if you're looking at his spare 36 minutes, he does average double-double, um, you know, almost 13 and almost 12. So, and what's crazy, it's, uh, it, you would never guess this, Bryce, just to throw random stats. We're talking about Isaiah Stewart. His spare 100 possessions, his offensive rating is 120. His defensive rating is 110. I really would have thought it would have been the other way around. Wow, that's a really good <laughs> offensive rating. I mean, he's really, really good. And, yeah. and a guy that's going to continue to get better in the pick and roll situation. Did you know he was a number three rated guy in his senior class, like coming out of high school? Yeah, he was an All American. Yeah. He was really good. I did not know. I was looking it up one day. I was looking at uh, big time. I, yeah, and Washington kind of stole him. I think Hopkins. You know, had been at Syracuse. Stewart yeah, stole York. him too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. I mean, I did not realize he was that highly, you know, high of a recruit. And so uh, coming out of high school. So, you know, that there's there's been signs, obviously, from the time he was in high school that that he could be, you know, a really, really good player. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Weaver definitely got a steal with him. Uh, you know, his but just as a side note, Bryce, he has very similar offensive rating and defensive rating to Kenneth Reed. Does he really? <laughs> Yeah, huh. I think Kenneth Freed, overall his career, Kenneth Freed was 116 and 106. Okay. Most year he was around 120, 119, 118 at offensive rating and around a little bit over 104, 105 as a defender. So interesting right there. But I do think he's Kenneth Freed 2.0. And I'll take it. Any, any day of the week, I'll take it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> But uh, thank you for listening, guys. Um, I apologize for my hiatus. I had a bunch of games, and uh, I did miss last week. And uh, But we'll c- keep bringing on guests. You know, I did love uh, the podcast Bryce and Lance did last week, and uh, we'll try to keep on bringing guests. Uh, we'd also love to hear your questions. Bryce is super active on Twitter, right, Bryce? Yeah, every day, every day. Send them at me. I love just 
just gives me something to do. We're out of season right now, so all I got to, all I got to do is get on Twitter and, and talk with whoever follows on Motor City Hoop. So hit us up, send us a DM, send us suggestions. We got coached by one of the toughest coaches in Division One basketball, so we can take criticism or or compliments, whatever. Shoot, get, send it our way. And I'm like Skip Bayless on Twitter, so you guys can have fun with that too. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hating on whatever Bryce tweets. Yeah, I just hate yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. It's so much fun, so it's okay. He knows it gets me worked up, so he's over there just like, he's over in Romania just laughing, knowing that I'm I'm, work, I'm getting all worked up. I'm just stirring the pot every now and then oh, when I, I see you. a tweet that's like ah okay I can just I can go off on this one. Yeah. But yeah, just make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love to hear more questions and. Uh, like Bryce said, uh, he just gave me a great idea, actually, on the show uh, with the Kill and Hay stuff. We'll try to get you guys more of that, especially with the rookies. Uh, see how they've done the first part of the season compared to the second part of the season. And, uh, yeah, make sure you give us a follow on Facebook, Motor City Hoops. Motor City Hoops on Twitter also. And then uh, Motor City Hoops on Instagram. Uh, sorry, Motor City Hoops show on Instagram. Uh, make sure you follow us and uh, any questions, send them to us, DM, and then uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.